0: Welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast, where we analyse the Star Trek universe from a non trek perspective. I'm Liam Dempsey and I'm joined by my usual co host Matt. Hello. And Paul. Hello. If you can hear some seagulls in the background, that's because I have my balcony door open because it is hot as fuck. If it gets too loud, I will close it, but if you still hear a noise, I never close that fucking door because we're sweating like bitches. Uh, We are joined by a very special guest today, Hattie Snooks.
1: Hi.
2: And all the seagulls
0: just said hello as well. (laughs) And I control the (laughs) seagulls. For our listeners, Hattie, who are you and what do you do?
1: I am a performer I'm particularly on this show because I have a one-woman comedy musical called The Geek Shall Inherit, and it is my love letter to sci-fi. And sci-fi programmes. Yeah, I'm a bit of a nerd, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. The The show, when did you actually start first performing that?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, so my first performance of it would have been um, October 2020. I've been wow. very lucky.
3: Mm, in in the, the difficult times. In the difficult yeah. times,
1: yeah. I, I just kind of got in there like I was. Was it being angel. prepped
3: before all that? And then it just yeah. happened that that was the first time it could go on.
1: I think I started writing it in kind of 2018-2019 mm. and I was meant to do it in the May at Brighton Fringe and then Brighton Fringe got postponed. And um, yeah, we did it in the autumn and it was a kind of much smaller scale fringe than was intended, but um, I was kind of ready to go and champing at the bit and really excited and I got to do it. So I did it at Sweet Venues, who have a couple of venues in Brighton. So they've got one on Middle Street and one at the Old Steen. Um, And they're kind of, they're also pop-up venues, um, but they're more like old school, like black box theatre. It's nice because my show is kind of based around my front room, so it's a very intimate setting. And because it was also distance and stuff. You had fewer audience members, which meant they genuinely felt like people were in my front room, which is a really cute thing. Like, that's, that's
4: nice. Give that's us
0: much. the logline for the show. Like, what, what exactly is the basis?
1: So, my character, Geek, is uh, having a sick day off work and taking refuge in her favourite shows... Um, and the show is about uh, the joy and escapism of sci-fi, but also how we can use it to
3: mm. hide
1: from the real world.
3: What well, like films and TV come up? I'm assuming Star Trek is in there. Are there Star other ones Trek as well? Star definitely yeah. in there. Uh,
1: Doctor <laughs> Who is in mm-hmm. there. Firefly right, is in there. Um, I've got some Marvel references in there. Uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the cartoon, which is quite fun. Mm, okay. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road is in there. Basically, I kind of cherry-picked the ones that I wanted to put in there so I don't have any Star Wars in there Um, I kind of have a reference to it at the end but I was like Star Wars seems like too much of a kind of megalith to take on and also it's Mm. not my wheelhouse everyone's got their own like bit of geekery
4: Star Wars comes with a little bit more kind of like social acceptance as well because it seems to be everybody's got a kind of connection to it and I I think people more talk about that whether they hate it or, or, or not but it's like Star Trek always still seems to have that sort of bit more of an underground sort of feeling about it yeah. Even, even if there's like five shows on the air at once. Like oh, yeah, it's still, still, quite it's still quite as, as mainstream, even yeah.
3: as much as JJ Films trailer that make and, it
4: happen. And that's even with it being such a pop culture totem pole. Like, you know, it's just, oh, that's just like, it's. Yeah, everybody knows Klingons everybody knows photon torpedoes or transporters and beaming people up but it still has that kind of little bit of a you know people looking down the nose a bit at it so yeah. which is why you hid your love for it through all of school no I didn't well, but, then I, <laughs> but, then I, but then I didn't hide it through university exactly well and you so, know yeah. the, the late <laughs> like, it what a travel. mistake it was <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think as well like you know it said it, the pandemic sort of delayed it slightly but also for like probably the best time for it to happen because I think this is what a lot of people were finding themselves doing yeah. was being being, in spending in Atlanta, an awful Atlanta, lot of time at TV. home retreating in to like that, the world was a bit too scary even to kind of comprehend at the time, and people rediscovered their love of shows, these, these shows, didn't they? And yeah, uh, definitely. And people discovering them for the first time, binge watching, you know, because there's so much existing content, and now people actually have the scope to go and really do some exploring. Yeah. And I think the thing with Star Trek from the year era where we had 25 episode seasons, like that's <laughs> a big prospect for people to take on in the modern era. So the fact that they had the pandemic in which to do it. We've got a lot of people, I think, have maybe come to it for the first time.
0: Yeah, I think loads of people caught up with, like, classic shows that they'd never seen before during the pandemic because suddenly they had that extra time. So, yeah, I think it totally... Would would have really vied with people, I think. Yeah, I mean,
1: basically, I was social distancing and nerding out before it was cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's weird actually. I I do find there's like a bit of irony for me in that I wrote the show kind of based on myself, kind of three or four years previously, and a kind of rough patch that I was going through, and it was just really funny that actually one of the things that got me out of that Mm. was writing the show and it was kind of catharsis and this idea of like, okay, well I've healed from these things, I've processed these things, I'm gonna like put Mm. them into a show and laugh about them. I just find it hilarious that while lockdown was happening and a lot of people were getting into binge watching and had time on their hands and they were really kind of allowing themselves to geek out and get into TV I was like madly writing a show to go <laughs> and perform which I managed to perform while everyone else was locked out it was just like this weird role reversal 100%. where everyone else was doing stuff and I was like in <laughs> that house like no I won't yeah. go outside and everyone else is like no we can't go outside and I'm like I'm getting ready to do things on a stage <laughs> um,
4: yeah you'll be, you're like you'll be sick of this soon enough and I'll be waiting
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for you yeah. I'm ready for you with my pop culture references
0: also I'm really glad it went well and you've got plans to perform it
1: again I presume mm-hmm. yeah I'm definitely going to do it at Brighton Fringe again next year Um, partly because I really love the show and it hasn't had the chance to have a full capacity audience yet so it would right. be really nice to actually like have more people come and see it yeah, and definitely. I just don't feel like I'm ready to let the go yet. I just love it. I really love it.
0: That brings us on to the subject of Star Trek and what we do on the show Star Trek credentials. So what have you seen? What haven't you seen? What are your favorites? What was your first experience of track?
1: Okay, so uh for me I came to Star Trek when I was a kid. Um my dad used to really enjoy Star Trek, and I just remember watching it kind of as a family, it would just be on and it's funny because I always really, really enjoyed it and I really kind of relate it to my dad. But then there were kind of quite a few years where I just didn't. And it wasn't, I was never like a big fan in school. I wasn't I wasn't particularly tied to Star Trek. I wouldn't have thought about it really. And then as I got older, I got more into geekdom. Actually, funnily enough, I think it was, I kind of reverse engineered it. And I've done this with a lot of things. I did it with hip-hop as well. I kind of got into, like, UK hip-hop and then kind of went backwards and was like, oh, wow, and then eventually got to, like, 70s soul and all the, like, stuff. Um, And it was kind of like that. You know, I watched the Marvel films and then I was like, oh wait, I should probably revisit all of these things that I used to really enjoy. And I fell in love with a geek and we just spent a lot of time watching Star Trek. It's it's funny because they always like resonated with me and I always remembered them really fondly. Deep Space Nine was always my favorite and it still is. But funnily enough, not one that I particularly reference in my show, Um, but I really enjoy what they did with it. I enjoy the kind of darker side of it. Um, I really like the characters and the character development and the arc and you know all the stuff that they got from Babylon 5 and uh, I suppose because I was a massive Buffy fan as well so that kind of sits with me the way that it moves and Major Kira is a fucking badass. She is. right,
3: she <laughs> <so laughs> totally just well
1: great. Um, But yeah other Star Trek credentials. So I have Rewatched the whole of uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise for the first time um, relatively recently, in the last kind of couple of years, so those are fresh in my mind. I revisit Next Generation quite often, but I cherry pick because some of it, mm. um, And yeah, the original series, as you say, I don't massively vibe with, but yeah, it's definitely a cultural touchstone, which is valuable in its way. Um, and Leonard Nimoy is amazing definitely and yeah I like Bones I like them in theory and like <laughs> I like them as cultural icons but I just find it hard
4: watching so. it's difficult like right, going back it's the sense that you get of like you know if you've only I was kind of growing up on the movies yeah and it's very set kind of the triumvirate there where they kind of the the path between them is so um. you know well sort of developed and those relationships that they've you known each other for 20 years at this point and when you go back to the show where it's like they're still finding their way, it's really difficult to kind of like, well, like, you know, they don't seem to kind of have that same dynamic for a lot of way through the series. I think it takes a little time. It's more about the the, the story of the week yeah. than the family aspect of those three kind of interacting. So, yeah, it was harder, I think, to pick up that way, you know, that you have a more of a kind of pop culture sense of what they should be and then realise that the actual thing is more kind of, it's more of an extrapolation of what we thought it was. Mm. Yeah. yeah,
1: definitely. Mm. It's... it's it is that kind of false memory thing. Of you see you see everything through rose-tinted glasses and then, yeah, kind of trying to go back to watch it. It's like, oh, no, it's very much of its time. It takes a while. But, yeah, it's funny because we can, as you were saying, like you can see the way that it has influenced all of Star Trek. Mm. and you know that's that's hugely important and it's it's really kind of reassuring to see that when you do watch back and go oh yeah no this is still happening that's really nice like mm.
3: where do you stand on on all the new stuff discovery onwards have you been
1: keeping up i have been keeping up mm. i love it i have had really interesting discussions with friends about it and i just like it all i suspend my disbelief i don't really <laughs> care about the canon i'm like yeah no that probably doesn't work but yeah it's fun. Yeah, I love Picard. I think the entire crew is sexy. Like, they're Hell all yeah. just really fit in Picard. Um, <laughs> I love that. That makes me happy. Um, we just
3: need a fully fit crew, okay? Yeah,
1: yeah. just give me a fit crew and we're good.
0: Uh, so on Picard, we've got Picard himself, who, yeah. I mean... Yeah, perhaps it's... Well, sure... Cassie,
1: Cassie Mandor...
0: Is the captain.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cassian is, Andor.
0: Well, I just say, because he looks, uh, a bit right, he looks like Right, he looks like, oh, Santiago, I think he's yeah, called, or yeah, right? Santiago Cabrera. And is for some, his some name? reason, when he's, he's
1: Mexican, I enjoy him the most, and I don't know why. He's,
0: he's, he's an, an attractive, attractive
4: guy. guy. Oh. It's a bit of oh. Zorro, Swashbuckler.
0: Like, seven yeah. of nine yeah. is obvious. <laughs> Jerry, <laughs> seven of <laughs> nine is obviously attractive. But then
1: everyone else, is everyone else that hot? Alison Pill, I mean, she's a fee. In Scott Pilgrim.
0: Oh, I can't, who's she playing Scott Pilgrim? Kim
2: yeah, oh,
4: yeah. Mm,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and <I> remember <laughs> just
4: like your, your and I, <laughs> yeah.
1: who's the curly head lady who goes off with seven at the end doesn't oh I? Raffi
0: oh, oh, oh. oh I wasn't a fan I wasn't a fan oh. of Raffi I think the whole thing the story they tried to create with her and Picard I think I was just kind of like what? Who is this person? We've never seen him before. Like, the end, when they said, I had a big fear at the end, when they, they turned around and said they loved each other, I was like, who are you? Like, <laughs> literally, like, literally, I always, I was like, oh, couldn't it have been, like, with her character, I was like, couldn't it have been, like, Crusher or something? Someone who he had a past relationship with, so you could be like, oh, yeah, i buy that. But someone who just randomly, like, appeared. And I'm like, what? who are you? I don't Is understand it? how you have this deep relationship. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, like, and Jean-Luc it's one of those things where Patrick Stewart, I think, Patrick Stewart can be. Very sexy man, but I think he is getting a bit old now. Finally, after all these years, finally showing his age.
4: he yeah. on the, the, the cover of the TV Times. Like,
0: yeah, TV Times. Like, sexiest man, yeah, sexiest yeah. man alive. Yeah, sexiest man alive. Well, first contact era yeah. when he's got his best, he's got his guns getting out. Yeah, a black leather vest. Exactly. But now I think he, he's looking slightly uh, dodgery. But yeah, like I I really enjoy Discovery. I, I
1: really enjoy right. Sinead Martin Green. I'm not
0: gonna lie, she, she's fucking <laughs> amazing. Like she, she's incredible. Like in terms of performance, I think she's amazing uh, in that yeah. show. Like in terms of she has to play like so many notes of that character in many ways because she kind of goes on a big character journey. From being more Vulcan-like mm. at the start, like she at the start she's quite rigid and like emotionless kind of thing, like almost like spotlight. And then as it goes on, she kind of accesses her emotions chip.
4: We <laughs> said like spotlight for a second, but spotlight. <laughs> no, no, yeah,
0: so, yeah, <laughs> She she accesses her emotion chip, and then after <laughs> that, she like literally. I mean. She just plays scenes of emotion and empathy and compassion so beautifully, I think. The
1: moment that she lands on the planet by herself. Yes. Oh, man. And with the broken leg. And it's just... She just sells it so hard. And she's so determined and just flawless.
5: Yeah. yeah. Can I
1: just say, sorry, I've just realised that I'm like shitting on the original series for objectifying and I'm like, they're all really fit <laughs> the legs the table. <laughs> So, I am a feminist,
0: but they are all really fit. But <laughs> he's just, yeah, and I don't, I just think with, because so many fucking idiots like online like hate Discovery and hate her and everything I'm uh, like I fucking bore off <laughs> like yeah, literally yeah. They're, they're fucking awesome like yeah I mean Discovery it has its faults and everything like that I'm perfectly like willing to admit that but I just think as an over like even season 3 which we reviewed on the show mm. and I went around and said like I think this is the weakest season <laughs> I've got a lot of issues with it yeah. but it's got to that point where I'm investing in the it's characters in the show new so
4: places so yeah. it, that was the first one I was like, this is going somewhere really off the chart. Mm-hmm. I was just all in for it. Where do you stand on Osira? He
1: <laughs> <I laughs> fucking loves Osira. Yeah, I mean, fair. She's really interesting. She's great, I thanks. wish <laughs> they'd done more with her. Oh, me too. Um, <laughs> gen-
4: Spin off. Could this be yeah, watch
1: every episode? A or yeah. like just because I, I think like the moral line that was being crossed or covered, that that kind of what she was proposing, you're like, no, mm, she's kind of not wrong. Mm-hmm. Like just yeah, kind of. you part
3: the Sarah was right brigade.
4: Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you look
1: like you, you, yeah. you're willing to say What? Well, tell me your views on Well, right. I, I think really it,
4: You know when, when um yeah, I think the admiral was wrong to like not accept the offer. I yeah. think it was really short sighted of the federation at that point to sort of like turn away this chance of like a. Uh, you know, it's like you have got to stand trial. It's like bullshit. Like people get off for less. You know, in real life, it just felt like this is war, <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like you know, there's hardly any of you left. You know, you're hanging by a thread. It's like, absolutely, you'd, you'd want to bring people in.
1: I don't know, the socialist in me is like, oh, bending to capitalism and mm. all of the kind of shit that she did. and you yeah. know.
4: But that's it. I think you've got more chances of like, you know, rather than yeah, freezing her out completely is what happens. Mm. It's like, where was the compromise? Where was the learning from each other? It's like, you've got to be in a position to actually share some of your values.
1: We don't negotiate again. with terrorists.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where I was if like, put her on trial and I'll need the black cat for this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, well, put her on trial then, but like, then just like, I quit it. <laughs> yeah, Put her through the system but get her out again. I but, keep thinking
0: we're going to turn yeah. into a recording one day and you will go just be painted green.
4: <laughs> <laughs> So, I just appreciate her sass with the crew as well. She just yeah. returned she did up have a lot of week, sass, wink a you know a little like smile and a wink. Like there was something about the way she interacted with them, just so great. Well, she sass Tilly big time. Didn't yeah. She? Yeah, 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 I Poor Tilly.
1: Uh, Writing wise, they definitely could have done a lot more with her. And you know, w- whether I agree with the morality or not, I think that it would have probably made for a more interesting program if they'd actually gone. Yeah, do you know what? Let's let's give it a go, let's see, they are people too this is sprung up out of need and necessity, so why don't we like look into that rather mm. than just like shutting well, it down. They tolerated
4: the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And I feel like that's the you know the, the the equivalent to us. It, it would the, have been interesting if they'd made a pact with the Emerald Chain. And they made and a pact with the with sonar in Star Trek Nine, which also had like an underclass of conquered species. Yeah, true, true. So,
1: she was quite kiddy though. Not Killy is in Tilly Killy, but like Killy is in Murder, Lotta. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah, 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 she yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> She's a monster! Anyway, move on. <laughs> right, today we are talking about Hollow Pursuits, Star Trek yeah, yeah. Next Generation, Season 3, Episode 21. Next time on Star
6: Trek The Next Generation, a serious accident releases highly toxic chemicals. Begin evacuation of secondary help. And contamination ignites a chain reaction that's tearing up the Enterprise. Controls are not responding, sir. Now the crew faces destruction at breakneck speed. We can't shut it down, Captain. She's accelerating out of control. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Hattie, why did you pick this episode?
1: Two words. Reginald. (laughs) <laughs> um, i love this episode for many reasons i think funnily enough this episode is quite allegorical it like it fits with my show it's a, saying very similar things i was introduced to this episode and reginald barclay by an ex of mine who's still a very good friend and he was like look i have a feeling you're going to really enjoy this character and i watched it and i was like "Okay, hey, yeah you were absolutely right i very much do I find the character of Reg absolutely fascinating. Yeah, he was originally like meant to be like quite mischievous, and he was based on um, a character from folklore who was quite despised, hmm. um, and basically was so insecure that he kind of he took the hatred that he had of other people and like started like messing with them. So the original Hollow um, Pursuits had him as a really like unlikable, like, proper unlikable character. Is, um, is
3: this his first appearance in the show this his first appearance, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and so they showed the kind of treatment to um, the powers that be, and they were like, mm, we really like the idea, but we want you to make him more sympathetic, um, and I think that was a really good call. I find it really interesting with Reg, because Dwight Schultz, who plays Reginald Barkley, Dwight Schultz also yes. plays Howlin' Mad Murdock on The A-Team.
0: Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: And many other things. Um, But he he kind of has this, like, theory that Reg represents your typical, like, Star Trek viewer. And that's quite controversial. And I find it really funny because people got really up in arms about that. Like, he is a very Marmite character. Mm. And people are like, no, fuck you, I'm nothing like that. And I'm like, mm. you yeah, probably are. Was that quite <laughs> outspoken um,
3: at the time or it, that message going across of oh this character is meant to kind of represent this part of the viewership and they were like oh
1: wait a minute well they always <laughs> deny it actually yeah. they're like no that's he wasn't meant to represent anyone in particular he's just a character but i think a lot of people identified with reg and this is kind of where i'm getting to you with it is that um i feel as though reg represents the everyman And when you put him amongst all of the other Star Trek characters, Mm. depending on where where you fall on the scale of neurosis as a human, um, he can either be really irritating or really um, relatable. Mm. And I personally think that he shows up the flaws in the people around him who are meant to be flawless. And I find that really fascinating. It just, Bins, the way that you see Picard, the way that you see, like, Geordie, Wesley, mm. like, it, particularly in this episode, you know, Geordie's like, oh, he's really unlikable, he's hard to be around and stuff. But they start calling him names behind his back and I'm like, yeah, okay, so that's cool, that's fine mm. behaviour, that's totally reasonable from Starfleet officers, like. Yeah. And actually, you start seeing that the, the kind of confidence that they have on a regular basis to be able to do their jobs, Makes them a little bit arrogant,
5: mm.
1: um, and you see it from someone else's point of view who comes in who doesn't automatically have that confidence, and it just it changes things. And there's a moment, um, my favourite moment in the whole show, um, and I I reference it in the Geek Shall Inherit. Um, it's a clip that I play, so I like the whole. In The Geek and here I play various clips and I sing songs off the back of the clips. It's kind of the thing that provokes me to sing in the show. And I use specific ones. And it's the one where um, they're all kind of stood around it. It's, it's Geordie, it's Picard, it's Reg and Data and uh, Riker. And Picard accidentally calls him <laughs> Broccoli. And it's so funny.
3: Riker's face, he's
1: it's
6: just like, Broccoli. <laughs> well, investigation affect our available power during the mission. No. No, sir. We'll have to shut off some systems. We'll uh, shut them down a few at a time. It shouldn't... uh, I don't think so. Good. I look forward to your report, Mr. Broccoli. Barclay. If you will excuse me.
1: But there's a bit when data's like, aren't nicknames supposed to be a term of endearment and affection? And then suddenly you see the penny drop with Geordie and he's like, Oh yeah, you should probably stop doing that. And he has this great conversation with John. Are him. we the bad guys we- moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. I'm being all right,
3: prick. I'm gonna be his
1: boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like they're kind of bullying this guy. Yeah. And that's where, like, yeah, the conversation with Guinan is really interesting, because she's like, if I thought that everyone hated me, I'd probably be late all the time and quiet too, Mm. like. And yeah, there's suddenly this kind of realisation. behaviour
3: feeding behaviour, you know, it's a circle, isn't it? Yeah, so, chicken and egg. Yeah, he's acting like this because of how they're reacting, they're acting like because of how he's acting and yeah, I think this episode gets to that point of, you know, we've got to realise that and break the chain at some point and act differently and someone's got to do it otherwise, you know. And I like how react.
4: it doesn't come very naturally to the bridge crew to switch roles and actually sort of be nice to him. Mm. Nice. They are very awkward with it. I think that's, that humanises them in a way that you don't see in a regular episode to episode being of Star Trek Next Generation. I think we've, talked about before about how these these seven feel like this unassailable sort of you know um, in their jobs like I think when Ricard you know he has the alternate version of his future where he's like a, a sort of lower lieutenant and has to kind of go to Riker about like his career prospects mm. and said you'll never make it he's too old now I, I just feel like yeah, you, this is the this is it speaks into what Reg has gone through. It's like they do seem like impossible high standards to follow. Yes, yeah, it's like yes. it's so ridiculous how perfect yeah. they have come across. But I love how this takes the sheen off that a little bit. But yeah, that was
3: my impression here, and what had has been saying about Reg being that kind of surrogate character, where you you could be watching this show up until this point and seeing these characters as <laughs> your favorite characters and heroes, and like they're all great at their jobs, and everyone on the ship seems to be. But the reality is, if you were just there. And this episode takes a real look to see how hard, you know, how much hard work it is to be good at Mm -hmm. your job whatever department you're in. And this is just like, yeah, if you were just there and a bit shit, like, and they're running around being super efficient and like, you know, barking at you and stuff, you'd be like, oh wait, these are just people. And it kind of Mm -hmm. makes your favorite characters into your scary boss. And it's like, Oh, now um, I don't know how to feel. Because so how many probably... times have you saved the Earth? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. None. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Right. yeah, they yeah. must all be running around and rambling. Yeah. So two times. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's get this into this properly then. So this was written by Sally Caves, who wrote one episode of TNG. This one. Uh, and she also wrote a story for DS9, Babel. But literally, this is the only script mm. she wrote uh, for Star Trek. Uh, her real name is Sarah Higley. She's a professor of English at the University of Rochester and created Barclay. That is her big claim to fame. I mean, that's a weird one where she only wrote this one episode. It literally, it's like basically her only credit.
4: I don't know if it, like, don't, they're not bringing her back to write more Barclay stories. Because yeah. Of course, this is a successful character. Like it yeah. seems
0: seems weird. This like, I guess maybe she's like oh, I'm busy being like you know a professor. Like got no well, time
4: for, for Markham to
0: do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. But you know, but she created Berkeley, so you must know, have in, that sense in, of
3: pride of seeing him go on to other.
0: Yeah, episodes. exactly.
3: Yeah. It, in yeah. Hattie's eyes, she is a hero.
0: So you know, <laughs> like. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, who is a kind of absolute Star Trek mainstay. Directed like tons of kind of various episodes of TG 25 episodes. Directed Conspiracy, one of the like exploding scanner style alien heads, The Royale, and The Best of Both Worlds, Oh, I love nice. The Royale. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Bit of casino action. And he also had some like history directing like uh, Star Trek alumni even before Star Trek because he directed 17 episodes of TJ Hooker and three episodes of Spencer for Hire, which, of course, starred Avery Brooks as well. So, yeah, he was ready. He was ready to (laughs) deal with the uh, Star Trek crew.
3: Has anyone got a synopsis of this episode? Well, basically, yeah. So... Bartley Bartley's kind of our in-point for this episode and he's struggling in engineering under La Forge and they're both trying to kind of reach more of a compromise where Geordie and Reich and everyone above that are starting to get annoyed with this guy's incompetencies and it's because he's, you know, very stressed and anxious and he's been spending his time in the holodeck, kind of in his own uh, created worlds to kind of big himself up and get a bit more confident footing. And um, it all kind of comes to a head when there's this ongoing problem of various little issues around the ship, whether it's like... Uh, melting glasses and broken uh, anti-grav trucks and stuff. And there's something going on that they're trying to work out the connection. And so while they're all trying to, you know, solve the problem of Reginald Barclay of like, you know, what is with this guy? What are we going to do with him? Are we going to ship him off or are we going to lift him up? He ends up pushed to the forefront to try and solve this ship issue, which quite quickly races towards quite a dangerous end point where the whole ship's basically going to explode in like five minutes unless they uh, fix it. Yeah, I mean, it's important we do have a little synopsis with this one
0: because I always insert the original trailer that they played on TV Mm -hmm. at the time for this specific episode of Star Trek. But this one, famously, the trailer, the promo for this episode features none of the Barclay stuff. Really, it's just like a race against time on Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think, like some yeah. virus is <laughs> eating the ship. <laughs> and literally, there's no mention of no mention any of the holodeck stuff. It's just the outside. Yeah, it's the last five minutes story, <laughs> which yeah. seems yeah. really weird. I don't know why they
4: did that. But I think like, it's but... yeah, it's a, it's a gamble, isn't it? Like introducing somebody with the predominant screen time of the episode mm. is like, everybody else is like a co-star essentially. Mm. And I, I love the way that the a and B stories are intrically linked. What he's been working on is related to what he, you know, is going through. Uh, on a personal level, you know, they're so closely linked, there's not like, um, they're separate from one another, it Mm. it does
3: serve Mm, as, yeah, that's actually quite a smart trailer I think because it kind of would you know you'd end up coming to the episode and being like oh I'm a bit surprised because otherwise they'd be like next what? week this guy Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, oh, yeah, you
4: don't yeah. know him yet <laughs> I mean it does like the, the teaser's great where you have yes! you know him sort of uh, intent forward you know you have Deanna Troy like you know we've seen her in sexy hours before but not this sexy Uh, <laughs> and then you, you know see him pushing the forge around who does a fantastic forward. he gets Riker in the... a headlock yes! <laughs> which is hilarious and, and it is just like I mean you kind of gotta go this is gonna be holiday yeah.
3: but it's still oh, but like, now this Makes sense Means if this is the first time we're ever seeing this character. Yes, yeah, because you don't movies,
0: actually know. That's the you thing. You'd like, so, "Wow, who is this?" Guy? You, you go, it has to be Holodeck.
3: But actually, you have no
4: idea because we've never seen this character before. Yeah. So for all we, I mean, he comes, comes across as like, like a Q or something like that, like a Q's yeah. nephew, who's just like going, "Just like I am one of your crew now, and you have to live with me." Well, He comes across <laughs> as like the Grant Mitchell of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
1: James
4: Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah being yeah, like, like, no. a fucking
0: hard man, Because he comes in straight away and guides us. Like, well, we don't want no
3: trouble.
0: I, <laughs> I guess.
3: Coming off of like the A team, his character's obviously a lot different than that. You'd true. be going, "Oh, it's A team guy." It's how, oh, yeah. howling yeah, yeah. And then like, oh wait, no, not this is all fantasy. So is he
4: Bradley Cooper in the movie?
3: No, he's uh, Charlotte O'Copley in the movie.
4: Okay, probably, right. crazy okay. guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 howling mad, Murdoch. He's the guy who flies the copter.
1: And you it know? shows just how good an actor he is. He plays kind of three. I was talking to my friend about this. He plays he plays like three different characters in this episode. Yeah, because he's. Yeah, James Bond-Barkley, where he comes in and gets Riker in a headlock, which I love so much. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you've got, like, really nervous Barkley. And you can see, like, his facial acting. Like, Dwight Schultz is a really, really good actor. And I feel like, actually, Star Trek was really lucky to have him. Because he does just kind of make everyone else level up. I don't know yeah. whether you notice that. But, like, mm. his just his facial expressions, when he goes from being badass and then suddenly he's called into engineering and his face just falls and you're like oh and it instantly you know that he's anxious you know his character before he even says anything he does that so well i never would
3: have guessed he was the a-team guy even though it's quite obviously him yeah because i was just like wow this guy's really good at playing the nervy side
1: absolutely and then you've got musketeer (laughs) who's Fencing, and he's got the English accent, and he's he's just so funny, and he almost out Shakespeare's for
6: In God's name, where did you learn to fight like this? Self-taught, my captain. Shall I give you a few lessons? I think you're
0: right in terms of what he does is he allows the humanity of the other characters to come out more than they usually would because. We've often commented on the show that the TNG crew are quite like above it all and quite kind of like... No, it, no flaws. Well, yeah, no flaws. And because of that, they come across as weirdly nerdy, mm. just in the sense of they just, they're just they so ridiculously
3: yeah. perfect. There's an element so, of that that you wouldn't see unless you had a character outside of that bubble. Yeah, yeah. And this is where we can sit. It's
0: that thing of like, well, there's actually a scene where Picard... Actually says because Geordie and Riker come to Picard and kind of talk about Barclay, and Picard questions says like looks at his kind of like rankings or ratings or whatever. He's like I'm not used to seeing such low rankings with my crew, and like yeah, yeah Riker's just, like oh this is the
3: Enterprise we have a higher standard here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: he's like literally go like I'm like. Fuck, what are you saying? This guy is like the worst guy on the ship. Like, I think like, you know, that's how it comes across in terms of going like, we
6: are like an elite. And how's this fucking loser got a I'm just not accustomed to seeing an unsatisfactory rating on a member of my crew. I guess the question is whether Mr. Barkley is enterprise material. And I assume by your request for his transfer that you think he's not, Commander. Well, I hate to say it, but I always thought I could work with anybody. But I just don't understand this guy. Broccoli makes me nervous, Captain. He makes everybody nervous. Broccoli. Young Mister Crusher started that. I guess it's caught on. Let's just get that uncaught, shall we?
0: You know, now we've got Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, which obviously portrays people like so, who are a bunch of like fuck ups. At the end of the day, (laughs) and it's that thing of going. Go work somewhere. When they did prototype for that. Yeah, 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 completely. Because when they did Lower Decks, the Lower Decks episode of TNG. Of course, it's actually very different. The characters on the Lower Decks episode of TNG are very efficient. It's just that they're training kind of thing. They're just they're just learning. It's not like they're stupid or fuck-up thing. Whereas this is literally like this is much more like the animated Lower Deck show where you've got a character who feels out of their depth, out of place, Mm -hmm. and kind of intimidated by the insane achievement levels of the rest of the crew like you say he's like plonking a normal human being one of us a far more like you say far more relatable character who goes because you're like yeah these guys like and Geordie was your fucking boss who clearly is like, amazing at everything you you would be intimidated yeah. and you would be like oh god I'm going to fuck up so bad yeah like, you probably like,
3: would beat them up in a VR
4: simulator yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? it's also like a Geordie's boys club in engineering as well I know yeah. it's <laughs> like just, that was a bit of a strange it's because, just so painful as well just, well just to kind of on, on that it's like it really does throw a quite sharp contrast like how he treats the female members of the crew like how he just turns them into kind of sex objects almost, yeah. And there's, you know, it's uh, it kind of like shows that TND's lack of like diversity as well. It's like that's what they reduced Kusha and uh, Deanna Troy to. Yeah, well, I
0: mean, literally in that opening uh, <laughs> opening thing, Troy is like full porn star mode, yeah. basically. Like, uh, yeah,
4: death wish free. It's one of
0: those things where I, I was watching this going. This is literally USS Callister, the episode of Black Mirror that we uh, mm. talked about spoofs of Trek literally years before I mean it must have influenced it because essentially it's that idea it's just that obviously this is on a network mm. TV yeah. so they can't go as far as that but the reality and is and those creations in the holodeck aren't sentient track. No, no 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 <laughs> but yeah. the reality is if we saw the true like cable version of what Barclay's up to we know that everyone is his fuck puppets in that <laughs> hologram you know yeah, what I mean I think-
1: But I also think that that's almost a by the by. Mm. I know that sounds weird, and obviously, there's like consent issues there, and it is like dodgy as fuck. But my thought is that he's not in there to get pussy, he's in there to relate to Mm. people. Mm. The fact that she is the goddess of empathy like, that's what he wants, he wants empathy. Mm from the crew he feels he wants connection it's not about getting laid by troy Mm. and actually he's really nervous of troy in real life i think because he feels intimidated by her and he really likes her like there's a genuine need for connection there and almost like a guilt of Mm. what he's been doing because he knows it's wrong so yes fuck puppets but I don't know. It's not the driving not force. Convinced. It doesn't need to be. Yeah,
4: really. yeah. Yeah. It's very clear what he's trying to get from it is psychological, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. just, this- it's a chance of him to kind of like vent, yeah. get some of that out. So yeah. he actually could actually just perform, even if it's a bad, to a bad degree, just actually better get, pull it together. He well, needs somewhere to kind of like stream into the void. All I'm saying is don't run a blacklight over Barclays.
0: <laughs> like, like, But it's funny what you say because one thing I did notice was when we see Troy as the goddess of empathy mm-hmm. and she's all kind of like, oh, and like the the guy, kind of like, oh, very, very funny. I, I was like, this is weird because actually the goddess of empathy version of Troy is showing less skin. <laughs> the one in
5: the reality but like,
0: her costume on the TV that she's wearing is like massive cleavage like showing off everything like that like I'm just like wait a sec, like your costume in reality is more pervy than this costume <laughs> like, yeah. so that's just like a bit odd like I don't know whether that just is says something about like the, the values of the show at the time or whether that's a deliberate kind of comment that actually she's more kind of coming up in his fantasy version and like you say she's the <laughs> goddess of Empathy yeah. in terms of like you know which she is his counselor in real life, so it's like maybe he is going for emotional support yeah. rather than. But sexual. when they find yeah.
3: him, that moment when they're looking for him later on. You know, in the cable version, of course, they would find him in fuck puppet mode. Yeah. But they find him, like, just in um, well, he's his lap, like, you know, having his he's head stroked. He's so. sleeping, and he
0: actually says, he makes a comment of going, I just needed some sleep. And actually, it's a very, she appears to be, kind of, a very, like, motherly, like, oh, yeah, role, yeah, like, protective true. in terms of, like, you know, holding him, allowing him to sleep. And, kind of, and be at peace rather than maybe he can't sleep in the he's too anxious going over like that. And maybe that's more as So it's quite interesting that although, yes, fast forward 20 years and put it on CBS All Access or Paramount Plus, where they can do
4: whatever you want,
0: maybe you see a kind of you know more extreme that, version. But I, you I know. think
4: I think Star Trek as, a, as an IP wouldn't go there. I think it's probably once you've kind of gone there, it's like difficult to go back. I think. It's just not, it doesn't fill in within the kind of mm, yeah. family sort of values of the show. Because it's, you know, even though Discovery has pushed some of the envelope in terms of like, it's got Effin and Jeffin. Effin and Jeffin, there's some and violence in it. I still think like, you know, an edited version could be shown and be family. Yes. You know? it, that is too universal and it has too much to say about, you know, mm-hmm. trying to educate people to look at real world problems but having a slight detachment of being a science fiction show you know makes things a little more palatable to kind of hold that mirror up to yourself and to what you, you know the life you're living so I, I'm glad it doesn't go there. I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's funny to think of it, you know, in sort of like, I know there's been a Jim will paint it version of, uh, of the holodeck, that, but like, yeah, it's just, it's kind of more fanfic, isn't it, than, a, than Star Trek? Yeah,
1: and I think it's more nuanced than that. I, I actually think it's a really clever episode. And I, th- I think with Barclay, I find it fascinating, like a, a couple of the things that we said in the conversation have reminded me that like, he's not incompetent no. by any stretch. Mm. He does save the day, and yes, he was pushed to do so, but that was in his brain the whole time. He's just never given a moment to say it. Like, when Wesley talks over the top of him, you're suddenly like, wow, they do really rapid-fire each other. And I feel as though, yeah, the holodeck kind of allows him the as you say like the respite almost from it Mm. um so that he can focus more on his job and yeah i think i think that if it were x-rated it would it would kind of take away the nuance of that
4: i think as well there's like um i think they go it's it's just patchwork isn't it It's sticking plaster for what the the real problems are like he's got this outlet which is the holodeck but we know that actually it's not sustainable Mm. in the same way people might lose themselves in drugs or like you know just to kind of hide the pain or alcohol or playing video games all day long, sort of like creating, you know, the escapes for yourself. I mean, they're just, just things to kind of get you by. But like, unless you deal with the core issues that are actually causing you to do these behaviours, it's like, it's a bit of therapy, this episode, in a yeah. way. Just to say, like, you know, you can run, but you really need to eventually confront that or get support. And everybody needs to needs also around to understand you by talking. They get to understand you. And LeFort has changed his behaviour the more he learns about him and then actually sees, actually, I've gone through a similar thing myself. Mm. And I love that. It's a bit of a, a, you know, I love it when Star Trek does rope itself and add that kind of through, which is a rare thing on TNG to kind of reference his um, sort of affair with a hologram. Because that is a real episode. Lee's arms earlier in the season. Is that correct, Leah Brahms? Yeah, I think you are right.
6: Now, I understand.
4: No, you don't. It's not the way this may look.
1: I called up a replay of the program file. I was all ready to compliment you again, Commander, for constructing a program which contained the prototype engine so that you would always have a
3: baseline reference for your modifications. And now I find that it's all about a fantasy plaything.
6: It's not like that. I swear... I'm
1: outraged by this. I have been invaded, violated. How dare you use me like this? How far did it go, anyway?
2: Was it good for you?
6: Nothing like that happened. It was a professional collaboration.
1: Oh, I can tell. Every time you're touching the engine, you're touching me. Real professional.
4: Ah, oh, yeah. It just goes like, you know, Geordie, you are not fallible. You know, fallible yourself. It's uh, I think that's great. A really good about doing it. I also think there's a really good model for like good leadership skills as well. So I think if people in workplaces can sort of learn a lot from like leadership style of Picard and how he, you know, puts the challenge onto those that are, you know, have authority over him to say, no, this is one of this is what your job's about. You're not if you're. If you're not helping him, then it is you who have failed him. Mm, like, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. And, well, he uh, says to Joey, doesn't he? He's like, "You're gonna make uh, Rachel Barkley your best friend." And Jordy's like, "What, you're her my best friend? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're like
5: a fucking loser." <laughs>
6: I've examined Barkley's psychological profile. He has a history of seclusive tendencies. He was noted at the academy more than once, and yet he chose this way of life. He had made the same commitment to Starfleet that we all have. It's easy to transfer a problem to someone else. Too easy. Captain, it's not like I haven't tried. Try harder, Geordie. He's a member of your team. Try to find some way to help him to make a positive contribution. Get to know the man better. Make him your best friend. With all due respect, sir, my best friend. I can barely tolerate being in the same room with the man. Now, I suggest you put your personal discomfort on one side, Commander. Dismissed
4: the way he put that is like, you know, a little bit harsh. I think the car could learn something, from maybe like the phrasing there. But like, yeah, you at least get to know the man. And that's what he says, you get yeah. to know the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really, really good. And you see that style sort of evolve. I think, you know, in, in the way people talk over each other in engineering as well. And then Lord Forward then sort of schooled his crew on like mm. how to behave more appropriately and let people finish their sentences you know this is what you how you made him feel i think it's great i think that was a really good like again Mm. the alleyways as soon as that episode got to the ready room scene i'm like oh this is what star trek does so well you can kind of you can see where it's going with terms of like you know showing us a bit of our own lives but in a a, a way that's gonna be really fun to watch Mm. in a fantastical way for 45 minutes so that whole thing of geordie referencing having fallen in love in the hard deck was that
3: a previous episodes yes. mm-hmm. oh yeah find yeah. just- yeah. it
1: really funny as well because I'm like actually that's weirder Geordie like, I <laughs> yeah. find that more bizarre than yeah. creating people that you know so with. that you can practice on them mm. like that kind of makes it okay he Yeah, takes it who really got fooled fantasy. here <laughs> yeah but like Geordie fell in love with the hologram mm. like I really but it's it's literally (laughs) I had
4: to break it off I just had to (laughs) it is
0: very much like this episode to me is really like Black Mirror before Black Mirror Mm. in terms of like he's exploring all those issues that they explore in that show like years before in terms of when he said yeah I fell in love with them like kind of like you know in terms of he actually did that it's that this reality can be convincing and real enough It's confronting those issues of like, this is the what seems to be the first episode of Star Trek that goes, This could be dangerous, this could be really addictive and psychologically warping.
3: Yeah, why is it too real? Yeah, we
4: already know it's dangerous because the safety protocols are always failing. He goes, Oh no, the (laughs) doors never work. Yeah, you you said, Liam,
3: as we were watching it last night,
4: like, Geordie just walks into it's like, Is there no. Knock
0: Yeah,
4: yeah, like, I was like, that is a real the, invasion like, of privacy. Yeah, there. yeah, I'm quite good at this. It's like I, like, I don't think you should go in there. It's a bit private. It's like, I don't care. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. 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 So, you know, aside from all the porny implications of this place, it could just be a guy reliving like a moment that like died yeah, yeah. or something. Well, I like... assumed
0: that, because they're all higher ranking than him, I assumed it must right. be a thing Override. of if you're a higher rank, you could... like. So I presume that if someone was Reginald's <laughs> rank, they couldn't get in. I think, but I think if you're a high rate you could just go, yeah, yeah overall, uh, I can go oh, in. Like well, because I guess it's like, I guess the argument would be, what if we have to get in there and get, especially it as, you so. know, but it yeah.
4: feels like, you know, there can only be so many of this and there's 300 people on that ship. It's like, you know, you've got, you know, the squash court book. <laughs> it's not solid.
5: Yeah. Like, you know,
0: so. <laughs> like, hey, wrap it up. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, but it did seem to me like <laughs> that is really. Sorry, I have the whole deck. Uh, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the sheet. I'm on the sheet. <laughs> It seemed really like, yeah, like a massive invasion of privacy to like, walk into someone else's yeah. private fantasy. I, mean, I was like, you know, I was like, man, if I was having my private we'll fantasy, there. I wouldn't want anyone <laughs> else walking in. You know what I mean? You never know what you're going to be getting up to at the end of the day. Like, yeah. But I did find it, yeah, I thought it was really interesting the way um, he depicts people in the holodeck. Mm. And this thing oh so you were mentioning Wesley earlier, obviously. It's like is <laughs> it a, thing, well, there's <laughs> a weird thing of like he wants to secretly spank Wesley because he, he actually says, Oh, like um like Sir Barclay will spank you if you don't watch out Wesley and it's like, oh shit. Like, yeah, so I feel like that's not a sexy thing. I feel like that's a
1: just,
0: Oh no, not say right, I just yeah. of, I think it's but, more to do with a lot of his stuff seems to be to do with having power, yeah. to do with having Dominance and control over the situations in his life that he hasn't got in real almost to the point that I was like is Barkley an incel like it does like yeah because that's how he's like this very this jealousy an envy of these guys who he sees as higher status. Riker within his hologrammatic yeah. fantasy it's is tiny. a short
5: arc and they <laughs> yeah.
0: actually say oh well you are very tall you could be intimidating so he's made Riker smaller in yeah. order to be able to deal I, with
4: And Frakes is playing him intimidating. like yes. mean, he's, yeah. He, yeah. He I was
1: being a real dick in this episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And
4: I think you see Riker differently. It's like you know where he's sort of you see him subordinate to Card, but majority of the time taking orders but to see him sort of like the way he treats the, the underlings in this show in, in this episode, particularly, it mm. just cast him in quite a different light. Mm, and can, kinda,
3: yeah. can, can we get the five foot tall Musketeer Riker as a Funko Pop?
1: I don't think Barkley is an incel. I think that it is, like, I find this episode fascinating for so many reasons. I think it covers, I'd like to talk about the fact that it covers addiction in a really socialist way. Mm. I think that's fascinating. I think it covers the fact that, like, geeks. Uh, myself included, can definitely hide from the world in TV. And that can mm. be an escape that is mm. as dangerous That's as addiction, what it's just it? a much lighter version. Yeah. Mm. But also, yeah, I think it's like very much about the shadow self, which is um, a kind of Jungian theory, this idea that the things that we repress can take over us or we can integrate them in a healthy way. And I think that like, I don't think he's an incel. If anything, maybe a dom? <laughs> But, like, with things like Kink and S&M, like, people live out their fantasies because they don't feel in control in real life. That's often, like, the businessmen Mm. get really into it and stuff like that. And I think, like, with Barkley, it is a way, it's actually, as Troy says, it can be really healthy. It's just the addiction element that is the problem, which I find really interesting. Like, it's, yeah, it is about him kind of, I suppose, integrating this idea that he's not enough. And then the bit at the end, which I really love, is that Geordie takes a moment to say, look what you achieved when you were here with us in Mm. the real world. And suddenly he belongs. And that's like an olive branch of acceptance to Mm. be like, you are welcome, which they haven't been doing. They've Mm. been just like shunning him and... Yeah. It's not really a surprise but I, he's like, fuck you all. I yeah. really
3: love Geordie's little smile and kind of pat on the shoulder after yeah. basically saying, there, you saved the world, you're one of us now. Like and It, it it's seems genuine. so genuine, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah You now you've saved the world, you're
0: <laughs> one of us. That's the, that's the final <laughs> test of <laughs> how you qualify. Now, get back <laughs> <my> downstairs. <dance test. laughs>
3: We've
4: all done it three times though, so get back to <laughs> fucking work. <laughs> I, I also like the fact that it, it allows him to retain just a little bit. He saves one program. Like, as he goes, look, it's still okay, you don't have to shut off these things. Yeah. completely you just have to basically manage you know manage it do we know what program he saves no it's it's program nine because I was like
0: it's like that one where you get to fuck Troy
5: mate
4: (laughs) (laughs) he's like I can't give up that one well I think they do explore the Troy thing later on and this is why when I watched the show first time around and this is my until we did the uh, Barkley one, which I think maybe the second one he's in. Science right, Attractive is it, the second so one. He's, yeah. like, he's the old Where man, No Man's But Gone Four scenario where he gets godlike powers since she doesn't need. The nth degree. The nth degree. Yeah. And I'm like, that was my, my overriding sort of sense of Barclay was I, I was annoyed by him. I found him an annoying character. Um, and I think the seeing them again has completely changed my perception of it. Like, mm. I'm seeing this first one again. Mm. It's like, yeah, I, I really like the character i think it's an amazing performance but i think you know as that week-to-week fan i was like i didn't want to see my my heroes sort of fallible and perhaps you know that that's the that's the thing It's like you know, it was uncomfortable i think perhaps to see them sort of taken down a day or two so perhaps that's why i didn't like it mm.
1: so getting a bit deep on it but there's this theory in buddhism that we are repulsed by the things that remind us of ourselves and i think with barkley and addiction it's like well i i don't struggle with that so i don't want to see it like you are you are Mm -hmm. beneath me because you have problems Mm -hmm. and um if you look at like portugal has legalized drugs and they are very much about rehabilitation Mm -hmm. and making people feel comfortable and if you look at this kind of science of addiction it's a lack of connection that seems to be the through line as to why people get addicted to things. And I think that it's actually really forward thinking of TNG to look at that, like, at the time that it did, because it mm. was before these conversations were happening. Mm. Like, now conversations are happening around kind of the war on drugs and things like that, and whatever you feel about it, I think that this kind of lack of connection is, is quite a common thing. And, yeah, and I think that it's it's really interesting that the crew are repulsed by him, mm. And it is that moment when Picard is like, no, we're not going to lose him. I'm determined we're not going to lose him. And it's like, yeah, that's why you're
4: Picard. <laughs> that's why we're
1: not just going to shift the problem we're not just going to pass the blame we're mm. going to try and understand him and be humans and not be dicks
4: and I appreciate this episode, the fact that it does have that element but also he fucks up with the broccoli situation like <laughs> yeah. is, everybody's got like a little chink in their persona yeah. and that's really good because it humanises Picard too I mean that's good nobody gets off on this episode mm. um, yeah, You know, so that's really cool I also see Theresa May's white paper on loneliness <laughs> uh, you know, strategy from a couple of years ago so it's like there's been government policy that actually uh Sort of trying to address like this long-standing thing about how people drift into like you know isolation in their throughout their lives and just like how that's actually an endemic problem that needs to be addressed in society. Mm. Not that I'm sort of advocating. I was like the only time Theresa may would be compared to but uh, credit in terms of like it's an issue and glad it's yes. out there and being recognised. Um, I don't know what's kind of really moved on in that policy, but. It's uh, interesting that not, mm. not too long ago, it was kind of a big campaign point or a, a big policy point. Who's the Barclay of the Conservative Party? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, so, shall we move on to final <laughs> thoughts on the episode? Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to go first? She picked it.
1: Final thoughts on the episode. I love the conversation that Barclay has with Geordie in Ten Forward. And Geordie's like, Barclay, you're just shy. And he's like, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? You can never know. And I think that moment sums up the whole episode in a way, because it's like, I suppose his internal world is in such turmoil that he genuinely believes that they could never understand him. Mm. And they genuinely believe that they could never understand him. And I think that the, the episode does a really beautiful job of being like, everyone is flawed, everyone is fallible, let's find a middle ground, let's try and understand each other. And actually, weirdly, I think that that, is more Star Trek in a way than trying to converse with aliens on a planet who you don't know anything about, or like, oh, he's got blue skin, let's not be mean to him. And, like, you see these these things time and time and time again in Star Trek. And they're, again, allegorical. But to have this moment where it's just humans being human at each other and we can all be dicks and we can all be nervous and all of those things, Uh it maybe, like, takes away from the alien element, but... Yeah, I, I like that. I like that there's a moment of kind of humanity on the Enterprise where it's like, yeah, kind of digging a little bit deeper and saying the same things that Star Trek says so again and again and again, but in a way that viewers can relate to. One
0: of these episodes, we're talking about the episode, and I've seen it twice because I watched it when I was just kind of watching random episodes of TNG after we first covered it on the podcast, and I watched it obviously again. Uh, last night and I always I liked it as an episode I liked it as a concept enjoyed it thought it was a fun episode but talking about it now it's one of those it's massively elevated for me having a chat about it and I'm like now I think it's kind of brilliant like, I think it's massively ahead of its time. Like I say, it's kind of like an episode of Black Mirror, like, you know, 30 years before Black Mirror. The concepts it's dealing with, I think it's a really unique episode of Next Generation because of the fact that, like I say, it allows you to see those characters with a lot more humanity and flaws than you usually would because you get to see them from another person's perspective. You get to see them who from someone who seems more normal, kind of like their perspective. And then you go, holy shit, these guys would be really difficult to work with. You wouldn't actually like these guys, you'd be your colleagues in many ways. And yeah, I think uh, Dwight Schultz gives a great performance, as Barkley, a lot more humanity that is often kind of had on this kind of show and the concepts it's dealing with i just think yeah i think i'm really ahead of its time and yeah i i generally think it's a really i think it's a classic episode of tng so, yeah. um to be love- honest
4: yeah just for me i think this uh, episode it reminds me of an episode of its D- 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 nine where um jake and nog go on a double date and nog really is inappropriate with the with the female date like and uh, and it really offends jake and they kind of fall out over it. But then later on, when they talk about it, it looks like actually Nog was censoring some of his behaviour. He was, like, trying to appease Jake. He was actually doing kind of, like, a neutered version of, like, how he would have behaved. And Jake doesn't didn't realise the compromises are already happening, that because of the, the dis, you know, different worldviews, the fact that he was only seeing kind of, like, the worst aspects of it, but by talking, they realised, actually, there's some middle ground here. I think that's a great uh, way of um, sort of showing that, like, dialogue between different cultures is so important. Same way, like, here we've got dub, just people who, like, are working together and trying to get some understanding. So I, I think it's a really, really powerful piece based on that. Matthew,
3: <laughs> your final <laughs> thoughts, please. Yeah, no, I definitely echo everything that's been said. I thought this was a really good episode. And, yeah, very ahead of its time, you know, I was going to bring up the uh, you're just shy Barkley line as well because, you know, it's it seems to highlight that difference between shyness and anxiety, like, probably, you know, way before it was more talked about. And, and you know, in the paratherapy, I think that's come up before in other episodes of teams you've looked at, mostly through Troy's involvement here, but, you know, very sort of forward-thinking for the time as well. And I just like how it kind of coalesces towards the end, because it could have just been this fully character-led episode where not much else is going on, but it does kind of bring in a bit of peril towards the end that could have felt just shoehorned in for a bit of action, but the way it kind of does tie into everything is really cool. And I really like the sequence of them, you know, in classic Trek fashion, using their brains to solve the problem. And that kind of working down of what it is going from Reg kind of hypothesising his idea to Geordie kind of picking up the the lead and being like, okay, now let's, you know, isolate all these things, and it's like Mm. 5,000 variants of something, and then they kind of narrow it down through smarts, and they just get to the five, and then they kind of, you know, work out what it is, and boom, and they're off. And it's like a really cool bit of investigation work up against like this ticking clock even though it's funny because yeah we point out in William we, when we're watching it that they kind of work it out mm-hmm. and there's that bit of Geordie and Reg like heading to the place to fix everything and they're still walking just like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. fucking run guys you've got three minutes he's just at about separating yeah. the
1: saucer section this is really important like.
3: <laughs> and it's yeah I was like shit he's getting real serious like yeah. we well, don't separate the saucer every bloody week um and it's genuinely tense kind of Finale there, but it all works out really well, and I think all the different sides being explored through the themes in this episode. Because you know, on top of all the sort of mostly male crew guys being very kind of anti-Reg and like, oh, he's a problem. You know, then you have Guilin pointing out, you know, how would you feel if you know maybe you'd act like this if this was going against you, and then you've got Troy, you know, saying can't just kind of destroy the reality he's created just to kind of pull him out of it. Because you know that you know what what might that do? That would be even worse. So I think it really covers a whole range of, like, emotions around this character. I think the idea of bringing in a specifically new character for it as well is kind of what makes it really work as well. Because if it had been an existing character who could kind of fill this role, there'd be a slight bit of baggage there. But here, with the zero baggage going into it, you do get to play with the initial reveal that you've got the guy from the A-Team guest starring, (laughs) and he's a badass, and then, like, no. And then having someone specifically new who can be a bit more of an audience surrogate as well and being like... Yeah, you know, this might be me on on here. And not knowing him beforehand means, you know, you don't quite know how he's going to react. And it does allow us to look at our main characters from a slightly more outsider point of view, where it's like, yeah, we're not one of them. If anything, we are with Reg. And yeah, I just think it's one of those episodes, you know, I've still not done... I've done quite a lot of TNG, but, you know, nowhere near enough. But I think it's one that you could... Show people and say, you know, this is what treks all about, with every sense of the word. And you know, it could be something that can be shown in workplaces, like a training video, yeah. like you know, how to connect and empathise with you know workers who maybe aren't up to scratch in your heads, but what you can do to kind of bring them out of their shell. And and you know, it's 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 the thing that says it's never anyone's one problem. Mm-hmm. It's everyone has their own things, and if you meet in the middle and um, establish that communication uh, and work together, then you can take steps to solve this. You know, whether it's Geordie opening up the floor to try and bring Reg out and then letting him in to kind of run with this idea, you know, it it provides results and you just have to have faith in people.
0: Well, it does show a more emphatic world, doesn't it? Because although, yes, he does get kind of teased, essentially, Mm. like, the fact is, is if this was current world, that guy would just be fucking fired. Like, yeah, <laughs> would be like you'd be like, you're not, you're no good, you're not hitting target, get the fuck out. Yeah. Whereas this show's a different one where it's like, no, we cannot allow yeah, yeah. this person to fail, we need to bring them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think
3: world maybe world. that's why having Geordie as the character who's in on all this makes that bit make sense, with him having previous with the holiday. Deck. Because I, uh, one of my notes was like, surely that's a fireball offense, like uh, a fireball offense, setting up a program where you can just fight your boss in a sword <laughs> fight. But yeah, the fact yeah. that Geordie's just like. Geordie was the one who's like leading the charge against Reg, but when they kind of chatting the bar, he's like, Ah, you know, we, we're checking chatting with Riker, I think. and He's like, Ah, you know, you can it's a private thing, and I was thinking. Well oh,
0: yeah. Riker actually says when they find him saying, Oh, it's against regulation to like use yeah, so actual they do bring people it up. colleagues on the whole and they're like, Oh, I don't think that's actually a rule, so he's like, Well, it should be <laughs> and it's with, like but the thing is I do kind of agree with him in terms yeah, of yeah. I'm like, Yeah, that's really, really dodgy. Like I said, the, the fact is like whether he is using them as like fuck puppets or not The fact, like you know that he, he even yeah. on the level they're doing if he's going to kind of like oh troy hi nice to like see you and then he's like oh yeah when i get in the holodeck later like, you've got to be my goddess no. of empathy and like he just eats a little bit that's crossing a line yeah. for me yeah yeah that's
2: yeah, the yeah.
3: black mirrory part of it as well where it's like is it healthy or is it not if you work you're in a workplace where on your lunch break, you could walk into a room, boot up a version of your boss, punch him in the face ten times, go back to work. Yeah, is that making a better worker or is it?
0: Well, it's it's it taking
3: things to a level
0: that do that does not exist right now, yeah. which I think is the interesting thing is because you know obviously right now you can fantasize in your head yeah. about another person in whatever way you so wish, and that's in your head and essentially you know that's allowed to whatever form of assent or whatever but it what police if you're if you're going into you if you're actually creating a world especially a world that other people can potentially somehow get into yeah. like you know, <laughs> where you are doing things to other people like and it's I think it's for me it's do with it's crossing a boundary because in your head it's like yeah, that is clear because I'm having to actually think it. Like in my head right now but when you get to that level where you can physically interact with people and it basically they may as well actually exist although yeah. you may have some control yeah. parameters over it like physically they may as well be there and i think that's crossing a line of it's too close to reality mm. for it to not be questioned
1: definitely i i agree with that i think that i think Wedge realizes that which mm. is and it, having the real interactions with the real people allows him to kind of be like mm, maybe not but in defense of reginald barkley in yeah. voyager he creates the crew of voyager in the holodeck again and he saves them and he brings them home. So yeah, probably ethically a bit dodge, but you know.
0: So basically fine. all <laughs> that like fucking training and the hijack paid off in the end, as we say. So yeah. the, actually it was it was for the best. It was for the best. Yeah. Like uh no, it's, it's very, very interesting. What what I actually thought one of my few criticisms of this episode is that we didn't actually properly get to see him caught out in the holiday so when Riker and everyone comes across him sleeping in Beverly Crusher's arms mm-hmm. we don't actually get to see him like wake up and go oh no and then go like yeah what the fuck are you do we cut to the next scene yeah. and he's already been pulled out of the holodeck I actually would have liked to have seen the moment where he woke up saw Riker and was like fuck this is like yeah you know, and then going what the hell are you doing and everything like that i thought that would have been interesting to see that actually in moment yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah be like ah oh, this is uh no, not, <laughs> <it looks> like... <laughs> see,
1: yeah i'm not sure i agree because i i quite like the idea that we're shielded from his shame and humiliation i think that that keeps us uh, like empathetic with him i, I feel yeah. like it's it's I don't know. Maybe that
3: says more about me. I'd like, I want to see shame. I want to see humiliation. <laughs> well, I well, that moment might have turned you more onto Riker's sign than it kind of would change the perspective mm. of the rest of the episode you have I don't still know I think you'd feel only.
0: more sympathy for him because Riker would blatantly probably yeah. was horrible to him yeah, maybe moment. it'd be
3: too much against him and you'd be like I don't like Riker
0: anymore yeah, maybe, that's cast- it. Maybe, <laughs>
3: that's it. maybe that's it maybe
0: that's it right well it's been a fantastic discussion about Hollow shoot I really really enjoyed that um, you were just saying about how we always look up our rankings of these kind of episodes amongst, yeah, yeah. like, chat fans. And we were saying about it, it's a bit of a weird one, because this is a really controversial episode, as you were saying. Like, there are some that rank it. They've done, like, top ten holodeck episodes and stuff like that, like... Uh, which seems ridiculous. But, like, they have done that. And a lot of people rank this really highly. But io9, who are a really big, like, website, they did, like, put it in the worst yes. holiday episodes. So I think... Uh, and like you said, I think it probably does... Just like when USS Callister came out, the Black Mirror episode, which is a lot more dark than this, but similar ideas. Like, that got huge amounts of criticism from, like, the geek community. (laughs) Because, of course, they felt attacked. They were just like... God like I remember there was a guy who's um who's a big guy in the Star Trek fan community and he wrote a piece for the Guardian basically like oh this is like, an attack on everything we hold dear <laughs> like you know, and uh you know, it was really like I was saying like you know you're making out like all geeks are like stuff. and I'm like well they're not they're making out like, this guy is and there are some who are so sharp <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does like, you know, I think it's totally fine. It's just people don't like to examine themselves and be self-reflective. That's the problem. But oh, definitely. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think it's a great episode and really a but Hattie, you of course, within your show that you've been telling us about, sing songs <laughs> about sci-fi and yeah. Star Trek. And I've actually literally been singing to myself your take on the Star Trek Voyager theme.
5: All (laughs) week,
0: literally found myself at my desk singing, holy fuck, it's a motherfucking spaceship. And I believe you actually composed a song about Mr. Reginald
1: Barclay. I sure did. I sure (laughs) did. But just for anyone listening, uh, the Voyager theme is... Holy fuck, it's a motherfucking spaceship They're so far from home And they don't know when they'll be back <laughs> Holy fuck, it's a motherfucking spaceship Philosophers so are so very far from home Oh, holy shit balls, they are really fucking lost They're so lost in space Holy fuck, it's a motherfucking spaceship Philosophers so are so very far from home
0: Woo. amazing <laughs> okay. well, That was like it's that. In like, you,
1: all of
2: like,
0: your heads that head like the sped up version <laughs> like, uh, of uh, Goldsmith School but yeah it's, it's amazing i have to uh, I've retweeted it already on the stock right mm-hmm. but I have to share it again of you seeing this because it is fucking great Very I mean it's
1: rude. more majestic with the strings in the background yeah with, with
0: Goldsmith <laughs> accompanying yeah. you like uh, yeah 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 no it is fucking great you will have it in your head but I mean, you're going to attempt, at least, to give us a live rendition of your Barclay song. I Do you want to sure give it a go? am.
1: I'm really, really excited and I hope you okay. enjoy it. Um, I hope this works. We have a laptop right next to the mic and me singing it kind of ambiently. So we'll see how it goes. So I wrote this myself, but uh, my wonderful friend Adam Feldman um, kind of made it happen musically for me. And uh, yeah, this is the opener to my show. <laughs> Of course I live
2: for Buffy And Xena is the tits. I spend my nights dreaming of being Various sci-fi chicks Love Cara to stop Starbuck With her no-fucks attitude but there's just one character I'd be And guess what? He's a dude Reginald Buckley, The greatest man on TV Oh yes, Reginald Barkley He's a hero to me you're gonna pick any spaceman Why not talk to you? You love David and I said you keep friends Yes, maybe that's true But my heart belongs to Just one Ten And Red-, Red... Red moved by me. At first his social anxiety Oh, it was through the roof But can you really blame the man? I mean, Riker Is a douche <laughs> you a hollow sweet, you bet I'd struggle with addiction. Yes, Broccoli's the most relatable man in all science fiction. Reginald Barclay in the corner at a party. Oh yes, Reginald Barclay, that's be. I can see the day Regis, and aqua tastes like oysters or dandelion and bird dog, or... but infinite diversity in infinite combinations. First, he's played by having magenta or red, reds and When autumn comes and spiders start to scuttle around my home, I often think of Barclays Proto-Morphasis syndrome The crew upon the Enterprise grew to love him through the years for his bag and cheese and for the three musketeers. Yes, Barkley, oh yes, Reginald Barkley. He's the man for me. While the rest of Starfleet fannies about with protocols and sticks up their asses, Regis Parklane to help Voyager home. And then he goes on to teach four classes, Reginald, Reginald Barkley. And two hundred. But you know what gets me through the times when I'm feeling like this? Reg was a temporary genius.
0: Thank you, very Thank much. you for singing us out.
5: Live long <laughs> and
0: motherfucking prosper. Uh, you can find us at Spotlight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or spotlightpod at gmail.com if you want to send us a long, ranty email about why you are a Star Trek fan and nothing like Reginald Barclay. <laughs> you want to do that. Um, and you can leave us a five star review at your podcast kind of catcher of choice. Hattie, where can we find you and your work? Uh, where can we see your show?
1: At Hattie Snooks, H-A-T-T-I-E-S-N-O-O-K-S. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And you can find an online recording of The Geek Shall Inherit on SweetStream.com. If you type in SweetStream and Geek into Google or a search engine of choice, you should be able to find it. It's eight pounds, I believe. Yes, so you can watch that. I also have a geeky Christmas show, mm.
3: um,
1: which I didn't even Oh, it's an exclusive
3: Christmas special. A um, Christmas
1: special. I did actually do it last Christmas. Uh, it's called How the Geek Stole Christmas. <laughs> and it is a very surreal um, combination of uh, Dr. Zeus. Sci-fi geekdom and Christmas songs. Incredible. Um, and that's going to be happening at Sweet Venues, I believe at the Old steam in Brighton this Christmas. And yeah, um, just keep following me and watching out for where you can see it live.
5: Yeah,
0: well up for that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, love love Christmas songs. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, in any kind of Christmas TV specials, I'm always well up for <laughs> Always extremely disappointed that there's no proper... Christmas special of Star Trek I think yeah. that's a real oversight mm-hmm. it needs to be crazy especially with fucking Paramount Plus no they're literally spunking out so much Star Trek you like literally make a Star Trek holiday special right now yeah How but then the Star Wars holiday
1: special yeah but they can do better,
0: they can <laughs> do better. <laughs> these days you know they've got a bit more money behind them a bit more like yeah they can do they can do special things I'm like it really because they've shown that Christmas still exists in the Star Trek universe. So I'm kind yeah. of like, there's references to it and stuff like that. So I'm like, we can have a
1: Christmas episode. Well, if you want to hear a Christmas song sung in Klingon, please wow, don't touch
0: wow. it. We broccoli. know where to go. Involved, <laughs> <bogged>. involved. <It bogged. laughs> right.
6: Goodbye, broccoli.